Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. The letter of Hebrews was written to the early church who were undergoing great persecution. We saw last week as we reviewed chapter one, it really gave us a profile of the character and nature of Jesus. We're now in chapter two. Yesterday, we were told that we must pay careful attention to what we've heard. And I guess we're continuing in that theme. In verse five, we we have the beginning of, of a section that leads us to a most amazing revelation of truth. It is not to angels, the scripture says, that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. Now, and put everything under his feet. Now, you see, um, this speaks to us, first and foremost, of man's condition. What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. Now, Jesus came and shared our humanity, so this speaks of what God did through Jesus and therefore what becomes possible for us. You made him a little lower than angels. You crowned him with glory and honor. Now, Jesus was crowned with glory and honor, and everything was put under his feet because he overcame sin, he overcame the devil, he overcame everything that was pitted against him while he was on earth. Now, because he identified completely with us in our humanity, we can identify completely with him in his divinity, in his victory. So, this becomes true for all those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God. We are made a little lower than the angels, but God's purpose is to crown us with glory and honor and to put everything under our feet so that we share in his heavenly eternal rule and reign in his kingdom. And then the, the writer explains, in putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. Now, this is very important because when we look in the world around us, we see that that's true. Not everybody does acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God. There are people that don't believe in God. There are people that follow other religions. There are some that say Jesus was just a prophet and not the Son of God. Uh, there are people that disbelieve Jesus or believe all kinds of other things than what the Christians believe. But then in verse 9, but we see Jesus. <laughs> That's the prerogative of Christians. We see him in the spirit. We don't see him in the flesh, but we see Jesus. Um, faith is seeing as well as knowing. And we see who Jesus is. And we see what Jesus has accomplished. Uh, and uh, let's just read the scripture because it explains. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Now, this is a tremendous appetizer for us, really, uh, to, to keep us reading. I, I, I always find Hebrews like a great adventure story. You know, you, you read something, you want, yeah, well, come on, how does that work out? Why is that? 
uh, keeps keeps you going. You want you want to go on to the next stage of the argument. But we're being very careful day by day, day by day. We're going to go through this and not just try to summarize the whole thing in one in one meal. Um, so Jesus, you see, was victorious even over death. Now, what's the significance of that? Well, death is God's just and holy judgment upon sin. Sinners deserve to die eternally, to be eternally separated from God. So Jesus came and lived the perfect life in perfect obedience to the Father. He is now returned to heaven in glory and honor and is worshipped by the angels because he suffered a perfect death. He was sent by the Father to live in perfection and to die sinless so that it would be possible for sinful humanity to be forgiven and restored and raised to glory and honor, which is what God wants for his people. So he tasted death for everyone. What that means is that the death Jesus died was the punishment that you and I deserve. That's why he had to die the death of a criminal, you know, as a criminal, as a crook. And there were other criminals either side of him. It would not be enough just for Jesus to have had a sword driven through him and just to die for us. He had to actually die the death we deserve so that we might be able to inherit life, eternal life, now, be part of God's kingdom now. Now, the result of this is that because he tasted death for everyone, he is bringing many sons to glory. In bringing many sons to glory, it says in verse 10, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. So God's whole purpose in sending his son to die on the cross was to bring many sons to glory. He sends one son, he receives millions of sons back. And of course, because we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are numbered among those sons. Now, here is a strange phrase that... Uh, Jesus is the author of our salvation, made perfect through suffering. Now, does that mean that he was imperfect before? No, 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 not at all. But he had to maintain that perfection in going to the cross. Do you remember the tremendous, tremendous attack that Satan must have um, made upon Jesus to try to get him to avoid the cross. The agony for three hours that Jesus went through in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible, let's cut past from me. In his humanity, you know, who wants to who wants to be crucified? The most painful, excruciating death. Nevertheless, he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. So he had to maintain his perfection all the way through, right to the point where on the cross, a perfect man was dying. Because only a perfect man could atone, could make up for, could intercede for the, 
those who are imperfect. So here we have the perfect sacrifice on behalf of the imperfect, the sinless sacrifice on behalf of sinners, the righteous sacrifice on behalf of the unrighteous, the holy sacrifice on behalf of the unholy. And the writer to Hebrews is going to explain all this uh, as we go through this letter. So he says in verse 11, both the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Now this is extraordinary. This is absolutely extraordinary because it means that what, what the writer is saying is Jesus, by his perfect sacrifice for us on the cross, he makes us holy in God's sight. You see, when you're cleansed of all your sin and unrighteousness, you are made holy before God. So he is the one who makes men holy. And who are those who are made holy? Those who are made holy are those who put their faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, who believe in what he has done on the cross, who confess their sins so that all the unholiness and unrighteousness can be eradicated from their lives through God's forgiveness. And he makes this extraordinary statement that those who, the one who makes men holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Now, we become part of God's family. It's not true to say that all humanity is part of God's family. There is something absolutely unique about those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for us on the cross and is raised again for our glorification. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Now, here is the one who came and gave his life for us because we are wretched sinners under condemnation, duped by the devil, deceived, wanting our own way, living in selfishness and unrighteousness. And through the complete victory that the cross makes, makes possible, not only can we receive the life of God, not only do we, do we become part of the family of God, but Jesus himself, who did all this for us, is not ashamed to call us brothers. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. Now, you know, this, under, this helps us to understand something about Jesus and his disciples. Jesus regarded those men as his brothers. And in the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. Amazing that Jesus while he was on earth, was singing the praises of his Father in heaven because he was accepting, you see, the limitations of our humanity. Yes, the Father and I are one, yet in his humanity the Father is greater than, than I. And again in verse 13, I will put my trust in him. We see how Jesus put his trust in the Father and how we as his brothers are now called to put our trust in the Father. And again he says, here am I, and the children God has given me. Now, of course, all these quotations in the first two chapters uh, are, are, are quotations from the Old Testament. And the wonderful thing is this, Juliet, that you and I and all those who believe in Jesus as the Son of God, we are God's children that are given to Jesus as part of his inheritance that he has won through his perfect sacrifice on the cross. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 